Welcome to the Planet Nerd Podcast. I'm Eric Weird alongside Jordan Angie. Happy Halloween to everyone out there. Uh, we're going to recap uh, Season 3 of Titans. We're going to briefly touch on the Eternals uh, early reviews. There's some buzz about a new Pixar movie. And uh, then we're going to wrap it up with our uh, top five creepiest, scariest supervillains. Jordan? Yeah, man. We're kind of throwing it back old school to like old school uh, ner- nerds podcast with that, with the top five list. So, yeah, Titans. Um, you know, we were uh, two weeks late on it or a week late on it anyway. Um, you know, it actually wrapped up really well, I think. Um, so there's going to be spoilers here. If you haven't seen it, pause the podcast, go watch it. Um but the way this the, this season kind of encapsulates, it's really Scarecrow, you know, and it's kind of like really his arc, and they give him a full fourteen or thirteen episode arc, and you know he gets his moment, especially in the last two episodes where um, he gets that you know moment of chaos where he's standing in the streets, um, he mutilates his own face, um, you know that he has a body that he's literally just carving up and like playing with which is really sick um and the thing that really kind of caught me was that they give him the scythe um you know his you know really comic book accurate weapon um which i think is really cool and then you know going in the last couple episodes you know dick is actually killed um he gets brought back by the lazarus pit which i'll touch on a couple of times um and then our final quote-unquote team is you get Dick, Barbara working with Argus, uh, Tim, Tim Drake, who's now the new Robin are going to be at some point, um, Gar, who interestingly turns into a bat. <laughs> um, he's the reason why Dick gets brought into the Lazarus Pit. Um, Rachel finally comes back. Um, strangely enough, they bring Donna back. I'm not sure why, but cool. Um, you get the two Fire Sisters, Connor and Crypto. And then Red Hood kind of redeems himself um, and joins the Titans at the end. So um, you get that. And then the way the last episode wraps up essentially is it's kind of quick is you get Jonathan Crane being stopped by Rachel, who actually absorbs the Lazarus pit. I've never seen that where she actually like eats the Lazarus pit. <laughs> and then with help of some of the team, they make it rain Lazarus pit over the city. And that's what cures everybody of the fear toxin. Um, Bruce comes back and makes peace with Jason. Jason actually leaves. And then probably one of the hokiest finishes I've ever seen on a show. Uh, Dick shows up in an RV. And they literally get in an RV and go back across the country to San Francisco as the Titans RV. But then they make one stop on the way by. And the last thing we see in the season is Rachel taking some of that Lazarus pit and pukes it up into Scarecrow um, and actually drives him more mad and it kind of tortures him in a weird way. So that's kind of how season three wraps up. Eric, I don't know if you have any thoughts or want to give any quippets on how it wrapped up. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought they did a good job tying it all together. Um, Glad to see Raven back. Um, Took long enough. Um, I mean, the whole soul episode 
where Tim's dead, Donna's dead, and Hank and Hank and those two have to fight demonic souls. It was kind of weird. Um, and then I'm done without it. And then Raven comes back, and Donna's body's gone, and she prevents Bruce's suicide, which it was kind of. I felt kind of like we missed because it was unsuccessful in bringing her back. So it was kind of like, okay, she's not coming back. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm here. And yeah. Tim, Tim and her go back to life. And Hank is, I guess, in charge of protecting the afterlife now. Um, so it was just a weird episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, the season was good. I mean, I know the big hype coming in um, for you and I was we're going to get Jason Todd as Red Hood and we're going to get Scarecrow. And we got a good amount of those. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, Lady Vic was, in it, was a good one. I mean, kind of the origin of how Barbara became paralyzed type deal. We finally saw that. Um, yeah, the Connor destroying Blackfire's ship. I mean, I guess it was out of love, but I don't know. I mean, there's some really cheesy moments this season that I could have done without and weird moments, but overall, a great season. The the issue I have this season was like the first three, four episodes were like really good and like really good setup. And then that middle part was just like, oh, like. Like it was to me, it was like they get Crane out of jail or out of Arkham, but then they try to put him back in, and then it, it just the middle like four episodes, five episodes, I thought really kind of dragged, um, you know. And then they like typical Titans, you know, they do a kick-ass job of wrapping up every season. You know, I can't say a bad thing about the first three seasons as far as how they've wrapped up. They do a they do a good job of sticking the landing. Um, and yeah, it, it was, it was a very interesting season. It was definitely Scarecrow's arc. I think he had some of the cooler moments um, in the series, you know, and just Jason, you know, he, <laughs> he had a hell of a season. He literally went from like being part of the team to being killed by Joker in episode one to becoming Red Hood to blowing Hank up um to having a big falling out with scarecrow to him kind of redeeming himself but still it's made very clear he's not part of the titans which i appreciate like you know the, he literally blew up their friend like you can never come back to the titans we could be cool but you can't come back <laughs> there's still a lot of unresolved so i appreciate that yeah absolutely um I think one of my favorite scenes was early on. I can't remember what episode it was. Um, when they have the Gotham PD monitoring the fight between Nightwing and and Jason in the uh, in the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was one of my favorite scenes of the season. It was just really awesome, um, and of course they missed they missed jason and, and shot nightwing but 
Yeah, it's, he gets uh, killed, all, killed or almost killed like six times this season. Yeah. He had, a, he had a rough season. Yeah, no, it was a definitely a rough season. But overall, though, well done. Um, early reports are it's going to be – I think we're looking at a late 2022, I think I read, for season four. So. So there's three names, Eric, that they dropped in the last couple episodes that I think can have implications. Number one, and most importantly, we have to get Ross Ogle. They mentioned his name finally in the Lazarus pit multiple times. The Lazarus pit literally playing a factor in the season finale. Um, one thing, it's a blink if you miss it thing. Um, when Jason and Dick go into this vault that that man has set up, you see a green question mark. <laughs> um, and so you can tell Riddler's around. And then they actually mention Riddler by name. Um, and then when they're back at Wayne Manor in the final episode, the password Gar uses to um, hack the Wi-Fi is Selena Kyle. So Catwoman. So I, they mentioned those three names. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. No, I mean that's a that's a good theory. Um, it's uh, it's definitely definitely some interesting names that we haven't seen yet. Um, as far as uh, as far as Rosagul goes, I mean, once we saw the Lazarus Lazarus Pit, we knew like okay, we got there's some time right there. Like we knew. We knew he was uh, going to be in. He was there's some way, you know. Um, there's some connection here, so we're waiting for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the only if they do bring Razagul in there, I hope they do it with John Barrowman. That would be such a cool time, like. Right. The, the one thing that I appreciate about the show is that with WB, they didn't handcuff the show. Like with the Arrowverse, because there was that whole, well, you can't use this character because they're in the movies and shit like that. They couldn't name the big characters, you know? They could only allude to them. And this show doesn't give a fuck. Gonna, they've literally name dropped everybody other than like the Rhodes Gallery. And I'm sure they're coming at some point. Um... So it one thing I do want to touch on, and it's something you and I have talked about earlier in the week, and you know that there's a lot of talk this week about Marvel and their pandering to female empowerment and stuff like that. I'm not gonna get into that, but I will say this show gets that right perfectly. This show has strong, badass female fucking characters. Raven, you know, surprise, not on my top five list because she's not a villain. She's freaking terrifying with her powers. And she's badass. The, the, the Blackfire and Starfire, they're kick-ass characters. You don't fuck with them. And even somebody like Barbara Gordon, you know, who is Oracle again. And even she's a strong, badass character. Donna Troy coming back and being a badass character, you know. I, I, for all the shit we give DC, and deservedly so, I will say I give them a lot of credit for this show specifically 
for not feeling like they're pandering to that whole thing and for presenting these really strong badass female characters as just being badass characters and not female characters yeah um definitely i can get into that but no i definitely agree i mean they've done a great job with their characters in the show and they've and i have no problem with all this like do what you want with it um but don't make it too obvious um i just think they've just done a great job um with the show and we're gonna just keep it there i'm excited for season four um and we'll uh see how how it goes i mean you mentioned the names rasa ghoul riddler selena kyle so hopefully uh hopefully we get some of those in season four but that's going to wrap up that segment Uh, but we'll continue the superhero theme the early eternals reviews lowest rated marvel movie on rotten tomatoes jordan i don't i don't know how to feel about it (laughs) um you know the the one universal thing that you hear is that it's a different marvel movie so you know there's always this talk of like marvel being a formula and they've literally conditioned us for the last 20 years to be part of the marvel formula and don't get me wrong like not every movie is the same but they generally have like the same you know beats in the movies and you know you got literally the reigning director Best director, Chloe Zhao, directing this movie. <laughs> so kudos to Marvel for going out and getting her, knowing she was going to have some good shit coming. And I, I, I don't know. Like, it, to me, I take critic reviews into some of my thoughts, but it hasn't changed my expectations. I, I'm going to see this movie this week. I don't know when or how, but I'm going to see it. And I, I hope I love it. You know, like Marvel for me has had a very, you know, up and down year, you know, the very down low of not liking Black Widow to the very up of Shang-Chi and how good that was. Um, you know, and then we still have one more Marvel movie coming with Spider-Man, which could be arguably, you know, the most impactful movie of the four. So I don't know. I don't really have any thoughts either way. You know, critics seem to be split on it. I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's all that's all you can do. I mean said so it's lower than uh, Thor Dark World and that among a lot of Marvel fans is a pretty consensus. This was not the that was part of the worst one. Um and you're right, I mean it's a different storyline though than what we've had. Um but well the well they t- did a great job tying guardians into it into the Avengers and all that, it was still, I mean, Guardians wasn't your typical Marvel movie at the time either. Um, It was more of a comedy type, like, hey, we're gonna do this, but oh look, and now here's the Infinity Stones and there we go. Like, that's kind of how we got there and then so they did a good job tying everything together with them. And Eternals is just, it's different than the adventures. It's different than all than what we've seen. So because it's different, you might have to change things up. And I think, as you said, 
we've been conditioned for the, with the MCU and how they operate, but this is a change of pace. And yeah, I mean, look, I stopped listening to critics after they said the 2003 Hulk was going to be great. Yeah, um, not so much, huh? <laughs> no. Not, not a big fan of the Eric Bana Hulk, are we? <laughs> no, that, it was not good to me. I, it was awful. Um, but yeah, and then they got it right, obviously, casting. Mark Ruffalo, best Hulk. Yeah, it depends. I mean, Lou Ferrigno. But anyway. I, uh, I kind of like Edward Norton a little bit, but, you know, neither here nor there. Yeah. Yeah, so. Marvel, yeah, Marvel's taking swings this year, Eric. Let's put it that way. You know, you think about WandaVision, that was completely different. You know, I mean, it, it wrapped up the same as kind of a Marvel thing does, but, you know, WandaVision really was like, whoa, this is like not Marvel at all. Loki really wasn't anything Marvel-ish. You know, in my opinion, it was very different. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier was about the most Marvel thing they could ever do. Right. Because <laughs> it, introduced, yeah. it introduced from where Endgame picked off picked up with yeah with sam yeah. And, and bucky so yep it's a uh, yeah man that's all you can do i mean just look critics do their jobs but they're not gonna but do it express your watch it and express your own opinion i mean that's all you that's all you can do that's all you should do <laughs> um don't listen to the yeah. critics don't I mean, just watch it and well, it may it might not be for some of the critics that watched it, but it might be for the fans. Like this is I just want a good movie. I don't right. need it to be a good Marvel movie, you know, and it doesn't sound like it really is. And that's okay. Like I don't I don't need every movie to have twenty-eight tie-ins, you know. If you give me the story of the Eternals, which I don't know a lot about, you know, you between the two of us are significantly more of the Eternals fan. So somebody that's going in completely cold that doesn't know a lot about the Eternal story, I'm okay with that. Just give me a good story with good movie. I don't even need a lot of good action. I'm such a for doing. Um but you know just give me give me a good story. You know, you've got these nine Eternals characters that are all badass, you know, superhumans like give me a good movie. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, to quote, to quote Gladiator, are you not entertained? Like, I mean, that's what we want in movies. We want to be entertained. Whether it's, no matter the genre, you want to be entertained during a movie. And like, you're going you're gonna to see it. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of different characters in this with all different personalities. So, it's gonna be interesting to see how they tie it together, and that's all you can do. Um, so, Eternals comes out this week, November fifth. So, we'll see. Um, and you kind of mentioned Dune. Um, Dune two has been officially announced, and we're looking at an October twenty third, two thousand twenty three release date. Jordan. Uh, I don't want to talk about Dune. No. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a movie that comes out that, like, 
people just universally love. And for whatever reason, it doesn't hit you. And you don't understand it. And you don't like it, you know? And Dune was that for me. And it's not that I didn't understand. I understand. I understood the story. I understood everything they did in it. I just, I didn't understand why I needed a part one of that movie. Like, that, that, that first part was totally pointless to me. And maybe they'll blow away my expectations in part two. And I, I'm going to see part two because I feel like it's the only way to justify the two and a half hours of my life I gave to the first one. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I still do not understand how people are so blown away with this first movie when clearly it was like all set up. It bothers me to this day that in the marketing of the movie, you are sold on this action sci-fi movie. You get that Jason Momoa line, let's fight like demons. And that's literally the only action of the movie. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not going to rant and rave about Dune. I'm done. Um, but cool. It's coming out. I don't believe for a minute that WB was waiting to see how it performed. You know, I don't believe that for a second. I think they already had it planned. And so, yeah, that's all my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely agree with you. And it kind of goes back to what I said about Eternals. Watch it and form your own opinion. Um, hopefully there's more action in the second one, but all you can do is wait and see. Um, and obviously you had all these delays. So, well, I don't know. I mean, I kind of equated that last week you had all these delays because of covid and everything well the hype i think the hype just built up um like it did with black widow um like it's done with other movies so yeah all you know all you can do is all you can do is just like i said just watch and form your own opinion that's really all that you can do and like i said in the intro there's, a, there's some buzz about a Pixar movie coming out. Um, the Lightyear trailer dropped this week and Captain America, Chris Evans, is the voice of everyone's favorite Space Ranger. Jordan? Yeah, it was a cool trailer. I mean, it, it, to me, it's funny to me that Buzz Lightyear looks just like Joe from Family Guy. Um, <laughs> can't like unsee that so every time i see him i'm like yeah. oh look yeah it's joe um but it was cool captain america I, you know i i was kind of hoping we'd get the two infinity and beyond line but we'll get it we'll get lots of it so i'm gonna go see it i adore every toy story movie um you know i think that movie was like for us it, there was two like animated movies in our childhood and for me, it was absolutely Lion King and Toy Story. Um, those were the two movies that like completely influenced my childhood. So they, if they give me more Toy Story movies, if we get a Woody movie or Buzz Lightyear or whatever, cool. I'm all for it. Yeah, um, I get it. Um, kind of what I thought of it is you're kind of getting a little more I got a little more of a serious vibe from Pixar in this, um, but did have some of that wholesome Pixar is known for. 
Um, it is very, I know they went kind of, they went space and all that with Wally, but this gave, this is more sci-fi, I feel. Um, that's the vibe I got. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, I did see something online. Um, I think it was on Facebook with a Disney page that had a meme. It's like, we already had a Buzz Lightyear origin story and it was the animated series that they had in the early, in the 90s, 2000s. So I don't know. I mean, this is going to be, I think, a little different than the show was. Um, but yeah, now that you mentioned, it looks like Joe from Family Guy. I can't unsee that. Um, you're welcome. Everybody, you're welcome. <laughs> it really does now. I'm if they had just gotten Patrick Warburton to voice them, it'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to, to see if there's any tie-ins or Easter eggs to uh, to t- the Toy Story universe. Um, this is the first spinoff we've had, so I don't know. Um, the true, the really, the only, I believe the only character origin we've gotten, and it was brief, was in Toy Story 2 with Jesse. Um, yeah, I, I do hope. At some point, we get a very small, tiny Tim Allen cameo. If nothing else, I just want that. You know, I think, I don't know how they can do it, but, you know, Tim Allen is very maligned for a lot of stuff, but, man, he's the voice of Buzz Lightyear. He always will be to me. Um, Not that I'm not giving Chris Evans a chance. Chris Evans is one of those people, man, he could do no wrong in my eyes. He's fantastic. But I, I, I hope they give a nod to Tim Allen in some way. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Um, but, I mean, it's, it was a good trailer. I mean, it seems to be an entertaining movie uh, from the looks of it. So that's coming out, I think, summer of 2022, I believe. Yeah, it is. I don't remember what day, but it's next summer. So, yeah. Um, and I would say, uh, I'll kind of, Touch on it too, and I know this wasn't really talked about, but we'll see more details coming out about the Rust uh, set incident. Um, so we're just kind of following that as well. Um, I've kept up with it. I mean, you know, it's there's nothing concrete that I have ever read as far as how a live gun got into it, you know, or live bullet. So I know. Alec Baldwin has finally commented and stuff like that. So it's just sad, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, so we'll uh, have to keep up with that storyline, but nothing really new, still no charges. Obviously, this is going to take some time in the investigation. So we'll wait and see. But uh, we'll wrap it up with our creepiest, scariest villains in comic in the comics superhero movies shows whatever um so we'll kick it off jordan yeah my number five i'm gonna go with the mad titan himself then and you know i mean obviously what's scary and creepy is the most widely open you know thing you can talk about so for me when i was thinking of what makes me scared of a villain it's the kind of person that believes that what they're doing is just and he almost makes you believe that it's just. And in Infinity War and in the comics, you know, 
Thanos fully believes wiping out half the universe is what's necessary. And then once he does, he realizes, you know, I should have just done the rest of it. Um, so, you know, he's scary to me because, number one, he's crazy for power. Um, he has the ability to get it. And he's just, he feels nothing. You know, absolutely zero feelings, emotions. Thanos has a mission. He's going to accomplish it. And if he has to kill his own family to do it, then so be it. Which he did. And that's just not a guy. He threw his adopted daughter off a cliff. Just as part of achieving his goal. It's not even like that was like the final conclusion. He could have thrown her off a cliff and not gotten another Infinity Stone and he would have accomplished his goal. And it would have been for nothing. And he wouldn't have cared. Because it was part of his mission. So... That Thanos is scary as shit for that reason for me. Um, e, what about your number five? My number five is a villain we were introduced to finally, but it was horribly executed. And it's Taskmaster. Because when you talk about creepy, when someone, when a villain can copy your moves, that's hard to beat. Like, it is basically like the Black Panther suit. It basically absorbs whatever weapon or something hit it and uses that energy against it. And that's what Taskmaster does. Like in the comics, obviously, it was way different than what we got in Black Widow. Again, not going to say anything else. Um, but yeah, when you have a villain that can replicate a hero's moves, it's hard to beat. And that's what makes a good villain too, to me, is someone that's hard to defeat. So that's why Taskmaster is number five. Yeah, he gives you that oh shit moment of like, how am I going to beat this guy? Like, oh, he can do what I can do, but better. Okay, that's terrifying. Yeah. And my, so, yeah. Um, all right, my number four? Yep. Um, I went, I, I, I'm a deeper cut nerd. I don't. I didn't always read the traditional shit um, growing up. I don't know why I was allowed to like read some of the comics I was, but whatever. Um, I went with Violator slash Clown. He goes by both names. Um, he's one of the main antagonists in the Spawn series. Um, completely removing the fact that if you're scared of clowns, this guy will scare the shit out of you anyway. Um, so he adds to that whole lore. But what really makes him scary is just the depth of brutality he's willing to go through just to purely fuck with Spawn. Um, he has tortured Spawn in some ways that will get us kicked off the airwaves. Um, he is literally like evil personified. And the only reason he does it is just because he wants to draw powers out of Spawn to make him do more bidding for hell. Um, if you look at pictures of him, he will scare the shit out of you just from his pictures. Um, and then the way he acts. I mean, he's literally as crazy and as terrifying as he looks. So, um, to me, I had to go with a Spawn character. I could have gone with the main guy. Nah, go with a slightly more deeper cut. I went with Clown slash Violator. What about you, E? Yeah, kind of in that same realm I went with, too. Um, went a little deeper. And you kind of mentioned how Clown is, uh, just looking at the pictures is terrifying 
Same goes for my character that I'm picking here, Shadow King. Um, Shadow King is in the X-Men universe, main nemesis to Professor X because he's a telepath. Some backstory with Storm as well. Um, but I mean, this is a human mutant, um, telepathic abilities for evil. And right, later on, the writers established him as the only modern incarnation of an ancient evil entity um, that has been around since humanity started. So that tells it there. But I'm also, but he didn't get much of him. Um, he was in the animated series, which is good. The Fox Kids FX series, which was, I, was, I still love that. Um, he was in the newer Wolverine and the X-Men and was only, live action was in the show Legion on FX. Um, as the main antagonist. But to me, I mean, this is a character that hasn't been utilized, I think, enough. So hopefully with the X-Men in the MCU officially, Shadow King is more prominent um, because... I mean, a telepath is creepy in its own right. <laughs> I mean, it reads your fucking mind. Um, so, and he's immortal, and he can possess. So, it's a lot of shit, scary shit this guy can do. So, that's reason number four. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that, um, because <laughs> I actually know about Shadow King. Um, Again, surprising. I'm deeper cut nerd. Yeah, he he he's a telepath, but like when he pulls Robinson and Tennyson's of Charles and Xavier. Yeah, I mean he basically not a I said not as evil as Magneto, but on that same vibe, like they use in their mutant gifts or whatever you want to call it, um, for evil instead of good. Um, but Shadow King, because he can possess as a telepath, just terrifying. Um, Jordan, number three. Um, all right. Speaking of Thanos, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Lady Death herself, Hella. Um, she is scary as shit. Um, if you want to talk about a woman. <laughs> You know, when you look up all those crime shows, you know, and you, it's like scariest, most evil women. If if there was a superhero version of that, Hella would be on the list. Um, she's totally ruthless. She's literally Lady Death. So she will wipe out a world just to please Thanos. Um, you know, she's got a super huge axe to grind against Asgard. You know, that's literally her entire run is like, I'm going to destroy Asgard. And make its people suffer. And then, you know, you go into the movie realm, and she was just so awesomely portrayed by Kate Blanchett and Ragnarok. Um, you know, just she's not like a loud, boisterous, cackling villain. She's like very like softly and swiftly, like, I'm just gonna murder you. You can just deal with it, you know. Literally takes an eye from Thor. Um, I just when I see her. I'll just get the vibe like some bad shit's about to go down. Like hell is here. Oh, okay. We're all probably fucked. Um, so that is my number three on my list. What about you, E? 
Yeah. Staying in the MCU Thor world, uh, my number three is Loki. Um, just again, no better actor to per, to portray him as Tom Hiddleston. But just the way, I mean, obviously his ability to teleport, he's got his, he's got the Tesseract, he's basically just, I mean, he's got a mischief. I mean, I mean it's in the title, but so there's that. But just the way he psycho, psychoanalyzes, especially in Avengers, the very first Avengers 2012, I mean, the scene that always sticks out to me is when he's talking to Black Widow. And he goes, oh, he goes like Anthony Hopkins, Silence of the Lambs, creepy vibe. Like, just the way he acted that scene, the way his voice inflicts to being like very creepy to loud. And just the way he does it is just perfect. I mean, it's a perfect villain right there. And yeah, he has some good, so I, you can argue why is he even on this. But his job is to be mischievous. And he, we see in the show Loki, and he's hellbent on fucking shit up. And that's a villain. So, Jordan? You know, Loki, they don't know what side he's on. That's what scares me about him. Um, you know, is it good? Is it bad? We don't know. We just don't trust them. Um, my number two, I'm actually going to go to the X-Men universe too. Um, and you mentioned scary telepaths. How about the Dark Phoenix? Um, she is horrifying me. Um, you know, possessed by alien powers. Um, she has literally had runs in the comics where she's just wiped out the entire X-Men universe. Just because. Um, and with her, the most scary part is her complete lack of control. Um, you know, X-Men 3 was like one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> but the one thing that I did appreciate about that movie is the fact that they at least portrayed the fact that Jean Grey does not have control of this Dark Phoenix. And that you know, this power is so overly pure evil and it just overcomes her. And no matter how hard she fights it, she cannot control it. And to me, that is horrifying that, number one, you have this powerful being, but number two, you have this unlimited power being that has no idea how to use it. Like, or when it's going to happen. And she could literally lose her mind and wipe out the world. So Dark Phoenix is horrifying to me. Yeah, and the Dark Phoenix movie was shit. Um, it was awful. I mean, again... They have not done a good job of portraying her in live-action movies. No. Um, so no, if you judgment of that... Love the character. The yeah, that, that character is just awful. She's so much better than what she's been given on live action. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to... My number two... I mean, like, it's cliche, but... It's the Joker. Because I mean, the Joker 
loves the chaos, thrives in it, hell-bent on destroying the bat. Um, basically, in a Thanos-type Thanos world, I mean, is pretty much will do whatever it takes. I mean, whether it's killing his own henchmen, manipulating Harley Quinn, um, just, I mean, he's psychologically, again, this is kind of like Loki, it psychologically just fucks with you. And, and this is a character that multiple animated series, multiple movies, each actor, each voice actor, has portrayed the Joker in their own right, and they are all really good. Yes, even Jared Leto, even though we didn't get enough of him in that first Suicide, first suicide Squad movie was shit. Um, even that was good because he made it his own. Um, the laugh was great. Jared Leto's laugh was probably the best laugh, I would say. Um, but just the different types of jokers that you can do with it and each have made their own, like I said, it's a great, I mean, that's what makes a great villain. I mean, you have multiple actors, voice actors playing the same character, but utilizing it in different ways to fit the story. And every Joker is just great um, in their own right. And to me, that's why he's number two on the list. Just end goal of fucking shit up, psychologically messes with you in their own ways. Obviously, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix finally got his deserved Oscar for the portrayal of Joker. But I think you and I have agreed Heath Ledger just terrifyingly good. <laughs> um, I think probably the scariest Joker is killing joke. Um, if they do lives with that, if they go live with Killing Joke, <laughs> they, there's no way they could. Like, I think that would just be yeah. insanely fucked up. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd ever want to see that. Like, the shit he does, like to poor, poor, poor Gordon is just. It's. I know there's an animated. Yeah. Part. I know there's an animated one that they've done with it, but I don't know. Live action. I don't even know who. He, Honestly, if Heath Ledger was still yeah. alive, I think you might go with him for that one, that type of Joker. Um, yeah. Just yeah. Ledger's Joker, he does get on a fair amount of shit, but um, deservedly so. He did look kind of goofy. <laughs> like, but laugh. Was, yeah, with Ledger's Joker, it was more subtle, scary. Like, you could still tell that, like, when that character walks in, everybody's extremely afraid of him. Yeah. No, just kind of before this, I watched the Dark Knight scene where the magic trick, like, just, it's terrifying. Like, Heath Ledger was just fucking amazing for that, for the Joker. Um, but yeah, that's my number two. Who you got for one? Um, I, it's probably, we probably have the same person, but um, it, it's kind of a scarecrow, right? Yeah, I think we... I think we put him number one both on this just because of what we saw yeah. in Titans. Like, I think when I first saw in Titans, Injustice, yeah. he's terrifying in the Injustice uh, movie, movies or comics, I should say, slash games, slash movie that just came out. 
Um, yeah, he, for the obvious reasons, he's uses, you know, fear as like his weapon. But to me, you know, it, there's different portrayals of him and they're all scary, you know, whether it is, you know, just him as a human being just a complete madman or whether it is the scary, horrible monster um, that, you know, carries a giant scythe around and, you know, slashes people with that. He's, he's pretty scary. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, I think when I said, um, when we first saw Crane in Arkham, I think my, I think I met texted you. I'm like, this is giving me like Loki, Heath Ledger, Joker combined vibes. Like this is terrifyingly good <laughs> um, with how he was portrayed. And yeah, man, he's got the scythe now. He or had the scythe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's why we put him number one because a lot of our, that's, the theme I think with our list here has been villains that just fuck with your head. And that's just terrifying. And it, I mean, that's what makes them terrifying. It's just they mess with your mind so much that like, you're seeing it. And then obviously Raven gave him a taste of his own medicine, which is why I think she brought him back to life. It's just to do that, which she's not a villain, but dear God, that's terrifying in its own right too. <laughs> um, yeah, if we did like scariest, like, heroes slash like anti-heroes it would be a clear-cut hurt and scarlet witch one and two for me yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. They both. No, i'd agree with that list <laughs> um but yeah uh scarecrow number one for I think, both of us for those reasons i mean just excellent portrayal um in this show just psychotic i'm gonna mentally fuck with you guys i'm gonna manipulate red hood i'm gonna just do this i'm gonna do what joker failed to do poison gotham's water supply just like just shit like that i mean he's just it was good um he's just a terrifying villain and i think that's why he's number one on our list he's still around so you know titans you know they they, they do a good job of like the only person they've really ever permanently permanently killed off is hank so, like, all these other people are still around. Scarecrow's still in Arkham. You know, he can still come around. Joker, they say, is dead. Never saw a body. Just saying. Doesn't count. Yep. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what they do with that. Um, hopefully continue this creepy, terrifying, thriller-type villain. Not really horror, but more thriller mindset so we'll see um but i think that's going to wrap it up um thanks for listening to this halloween special um as always i'm eric weirdo alongside jordan angie and uh if you are one of those houses listening that gives out raisins toothbrushes pennies for halloween you deserve your house egged if you're one of the houses that give out sacred bars you're the shit thank you and the same goes for any full-size candy bars. Yeah. Any full-size candy bars house, we love you. Keep it going. Yes. <laughs> All right. Bye, nerds.